Jessica Libor, and I am an artist, educator, and curator. If you're an artist who wants to create an amazing and fulfilling career in life, this podcast is for you. I'll be sharing inspiration that has worked for me and art world insights and tips. My goal for this podcast is to help you feel in control of your art career and empowered to be the best artist that you can be. Hello, my beautiful friends. I am excited to be here with you today. I just got back from Santa Fe this week, and it was so inspiring and so refreshing. And I hadn't been anywhere in so long uh, because of this year, so it was just wonderful to be in a different place than my native Pennsylvania. Um, But while I was there, I had all these insights about creativity and the way that we create and the way that we gain inspiration for our art. And so I really wanted to focus on that for this particular podcast, because I think as artists, uh, we are always striving to be more creative and to come up with original work and original ideas and just something that's different and unique to us. So I really wanted to focus on that. So today's podcast will be all about safe and healthy ways for you to enhance your individual creativity and different techniques to enhance your creativity Um, because there are a lot of unhealthy ways to enhance your creativity like drinking a lot or um, you know doing drugs um, like illegal drugs and um, or like depriving yourself of sleep Um, there's a lot of like crazy theories out there Um, but those those things are typically not very um, healthy for you long term especially Um, So I want to introduce some more sustainable methods that you can use to, you know, really get new ideas and come up with things that are totally your own and that are really unique to you and that really bring your creativity and your ideas to the next level Um, because we each have a unique spark in us, right? And we each are building a different world within our art. And so we want to delve deeper into that world and explore it and bring that out into our artwork. So um, the first thing that I want to talk about, though, before we get into the specific 10 ways that I have used um, myself in order to gain more creativity in my work, I just want to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And most of you have probably heard of this. It's, you know, you learn about this in psychology, and some of you may have learned this in uh, high school. But um, for those of you who haven't heard of it, um, Abraham Maslow, Maslow, sorry, um, in the 1950s, he attempted to do a large body of research uh, related to human motivation. And so basically, he came up with a pyramid-like Um, system about the way that we function as humans and the way that why we do the things that we do. And basically, it's, it's like a step ladder, right? So each step that you go up um, this pyramid, um, you get to function a little bit better, a little bit higher as a human being. And, you know, everybody shares these same needs. Um, And at the bottom, there are a few needs that have to be met in order for us to feel safe enough to create. And so 
I just want to let you guys know about this so that you understand that um, if you don't have your basic needs met, then it's going to be difficult to find the brain space to be creative because you'll be in survival mode and you'll be, you know, wondering where the next meal is coming from or whether you have enough money for that week or, um, you know, if you're in the midst of like a really tumultuous breakup or something. Um, basically these are all things that take up a lot of brain space and your brain is going to go into survival mode. It's going to try to solve these problems. It's going to take like your whole brain in order to do that. And so that's why if you're in an unstable, um, environment or, um, you feel really unstable with finances, it's difficult to be creative. And, um, you know, if you ever have been in those sort of situations where you're just like, um, where you're feeling really unstable in whatever way, um, then you'll understand that, you know, you you don't really have the desire to make a grand masterpiece during that time because you're too consumed with solving the problem of your really basic needs. Um, So I just want to be clear about that. So um, some of some of these needs at the bottom that need to be met are number one, your physiological needs. So these are all the things that have to do with your body. Um, so basically survival, like feeling safe um, and, you know, hunger, um, making sure that you're not, you know, you're not going to die of starvation, hunger, thirst, bodily comforts. Um, so basically making sure that your body is okay, like um, that you're out of the rain, that you are, um, you're not freezing, um, that you're not like burning up. Um, so basically that is very immediate, something very immediate, like you want to be able to survive. Um, So that is number one. Number two is safety and security. So you want to feel like you're out of danger. And this goes back to, you know, when we lived in caves and uh, when we, yeah, when we lived in caves, oh my gosh, when I was in Santa Fe, I visited a, um, like a cave dwelling it's called the Bandelier National Monument, and hundreds of Pueblo people lived in these caves for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and it was insane to walk around them and to see, it was basically like a prehistoric city of what these people lived in, and it was so ingenious and so inspiring, and it just was crazy the amount of time that has gone by since people have lived there, you know, way before the founding of America, as we know it. Um, it was just mind blowing, really opened my mind. But anyway, when we did live in caves, um, basically feeling safe and secure. And today that might mean like feeling like you live in a relatively safe neighborhood, like not feeling threatened, um, not feeling threatened by anyone who lives in your house, um, feeling like you are able to pay the bills feeling like you know that you're going to be able to feed yourself um, and those that you love. So basically safety and security. You want to feel out of danger and like nothing is a direct threat to you because if it is, that's going to take all your energy um, because you're going to be constantly thinking about it um, because it's biological for us to solve these problems before we move on to other things. The third thing is belonging belongingness and love needs 
So um, if you have a family feeling like you, you know, love them and are, you know, you belong to them and, you know, even if you're single, like feeling like you belong to like a group of friends and like there's somewhere that you can go that you feel accepted and that you feel loved and genuinely cared for. And, you know, this can take the form of non-traditional, um, you know, friendships, relationships, um, or, you know, it, you can be like with a family, a husband or wife and, you know, children. So as long as you feel some sort of belongingness or love within your life, then, you know, it's basically some place you can go to to feel like you're safe and you're okay. People know who you are. People see you. And it's really important. So that is also something that you need. Um, and then number four, as a need, you need some level of esteem. So you need to feel like you're good at something um, and you need to feel some sort of approval or recognition. Now, I know this is a tough one because a lot of us artists are actually seeking recognition through our art careers because the more recognition that you get, typically, um, the higher you can demand prices for your work and the more successful that you are. Um, but while we are getting there, as we are developing our work, um, it's, it's good to know that we, we, this is actually a human need. Um, and, you know, in the animal kingdom, everyone needs to know their place as well. Like the animals like to know their place. And there's absolutely a ranking there um, within the animal kingdom. And each one feels good about what they can contribute to the pack, basically. So, um, so basically, you need to feel like you are good at something, even if that thing is not art. So let's say you have a day job and you're really great at like making lattes at your day job. And maybe you don't feel that sense of esteem, approval and recognition about your, your art career yet. But you are getting that, you know, approval and recognition, you know, within the 10 people that work at your coffee shop, they're like, oh, this person makes really good lattes. And so it actually doesn't really matter where you're getting it from, as long as you're getting some sort of recognition and esteem. And this starts really, really early. So think of like a three-year-old and they're like building with blocks and they get this recognition and approval from their mother when their mother says, oh, look at this, you did such a good job, you know? So we all need this sense of like, we're doing something right, we're doing something well, we know how to do something. And that gives us a sense of competence and it gives you self-esteem because once you feel good at one thing, then you're like, well, all I need to do is learn how to do this other thing that I really wanna get good at, which in our case is art, right? So um, so if you don't feel a lot of self-esteem with art yet, it's helpful to know that you can get that self-esteem in other places. Um, like, for instance, I was a makeup artist for many years, and I felt great about being a makeup artist. And I was like, you know, I felt like I had really great skills with that. People really loved it. People hired me to do, you know, you know, 10, pe 10 people at their wedding, Um I really knew my colors and actually it got me very interested in painting figures. So, you know, but at the time I didn't feel super confident about painting figures, but I was getting this 
approval and recognition at my day job. And that felt really good. And it, you know, it builds your self-esteem. So it's important. Okay, so once you have those needs, so those are your basic needs just for for you to like feel okay. And then once you have those basic needs met, then you start to turn your attention to higher needs and higher desires because those basic needs are met and your brain isn't constantly trying to solve these problems. So <clears throat> the next thing that you seek to do is you seek to know and understand. So this is what, you know, we learn in school, right? Um, or this is what school is set up to do for us. So ideally, kids will have their basic needs met at home. And then they go to school and they seek to know and understand. But this doesn't end when you know, our formal schooling ends, we actually seek to know and understand our entire life. So this is the next need up. And you can, um, you can definitely apply this to like your art career. So you seek to know and understand things like techniques, how to do something, what is this paint made of? Um, how did they make that? You know, so this is seeking to know and understand. And it's really important for your growth process. The next thing that you need once you kind of have that under control is your aesthetic needs. So basically symmetry, order, and beauty. And this is where, you know, your creative curiosity comes into play. So you, you know, with the aesthetic um, building block, you start to notice what you like aesthetically and what doesn't appeal to you aesthetically. Let's say you go to a museum and you're like, I like that painting. I don't like that painting. And then you start to try to understand like, why? Why do I like this? Why do I not like that? Um, you start to really kind of know yourself. And that is really what you want to, to be at in order to start making your art. So, you know, after the cognitive, which is basically knowing growing to understand how to make art, then you go to the aesthetic and you're like, well, this is what I want to do with my art. Now that I know how to make art, this is what I want to make with my art because I like the way that looks. Um, I, I like this technique and you like these colors. You start to have preferences in the aesthetic block. And then once you start to get a handle of the aesthetic, then you move into self-actualization which is where you find self-fulfillment and realize your potential. And this is really a lifelong thing. So self-actualization, you know, you really want to, it's about reaching the peak of what you're, what you're able to do and standing to your full height of what's possible for you in your lifetime. Think of people who have written amazing books or created masterpieces of art. You really want to be able to stand to that full height yourself and see what's possible for you. And this is not measured by other people, but this is really an internal measure. Like, do I feel like I'm making the best work that I possibly can um, that's, that's possible for me within my abilities? And your abilities always grow throughout your entire lifetime as well. So that's self-actualization. And, and also self-fulfillment doesn't just have to do with art. It's also about like finding fulfill fulfillment 
in all the other areas of your life, like, um, you know, being able to choose where you live, um, creating a wonderful relationship. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about self-fulfillment and realizing your potential in all areas, ideally. And then once you do that, there's self-transcendence, which is connecting to something beyond your ego or yourself and helping others find self-fulfillment to realize their potential. So this is basically when you've done it all <laughs> and you've, you've figured yourself out to a, a greater degree to the point where you feel like you are able to help others with your knowledge and with your wisdom and with your own journey. And um, it's kind of like how they say on a plane, put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. So you basically have to reach a level of like figuring it out yourself first. You have to take care of yourself and, you know, follow your own dreams and be self-actualized before you're able to really help somebody else um, in a in a dramatic way to really inspire them. Now, <clears throat> I will say that these all don't happen like in a very neat order. I think these are, you know, these, this is a general hypothesis for how people meet their needs and how people um, reach their potential. But, you know, you can, you can start to discover, you know, your need to know to understand while at the same time, you know, wanting to help other people. And, you know, as you've reached a level of transcendent, self-transcendence, um, and as you feel self-actualized, you can have something crop up like a safety need. You know, maybe you discover that, um, you know, something's not safe about where you live, or maybe you, um, or maybe something happens like you're getting a divorce or like a major breakup or, you know, ha you have a death in the family. And so that disrupts your, your, um, your basic needs so that maybe the self-transcendence part, um, you, you have to take a break from that for a while because you have to basically heal or fix or, um, you know, you have to attend to your basic needs, which you have to do before you can focus on these higher needs. And so that's the basic structure of Maslow's higher hierarchy of needs. And I just wanted to introduce that to you guys so that you understand that when we are seeking to gain gre greater creativity, it's imperative that we actually meet our basic needs first before we seek greater creativity. So this is why a lot of artists who are struggling, so they're struggling monetarily, um, but they, you know, they, they end up also struggling to make like amazing artworks. It's because they're so worried and so consumed about their basic needs that it makes it hard to focus on anything else. So I'm a big proponent of day jobs. I had a day job for a long time. I still teach. Um, I think it's good to like socialize because an artist's life can kind of be solitary. And there is something nice about like always having, um, knowing that you're going to get a paycheck. Um, I think it's, it's, it's good. And until your artwork is able to provide that, having something that provides that sense of security so that you can relax and make your greatest creative work is actually a great idea. Um, so, so anyway, 
um, just make sure that you are meeting your basic needs um, before you get too hard on yourself about like not being able to be a creative genius. Because a lot of times, um, creative people back in the day, they had like these patrons that like supplied for their every need. And so they didn't have to think about where's my next meal going to come from or anything like that. Um, so don't be too hard on yourself and you can be your own patron. So, okay. Once you've basically taken care of your basic needs, which are again, um, everything that comes before knowing, understanding and exploring. So basically your, um, physiological needs, your safety needs, your belongingness and love needs, and your esteem needs. So if you have some measure of those, then, you know, these are some of the things that I've used to kind of jumpstart my own creativity. Now, each one of us has interests within our art, right? We have this world that we're trying to create, or we're dabbling in a lot of different things, trying to figure out exactly what we want to focus on. Um, Now, these are things that actually help your natural ideas, your natural creativity really bubble to the surface, and it helps you kind of tap into your subconscious, which is where a lot of your um, most creative ideas are going to be, And but it can be hard to access that sometimes in the day-to-day life or just like on command. So this is what I like to do. Um, So number one is dreams. So your dreams that you have at night. So I keep a dream journal for my really good dreams. And I also sketch out my dreams sometimes in a sketch pad. And it really helps me to remember some of the unusual scenes that happen in my dreams, because I probably would have never thought of them just like in my waking hours. And it's just interesting. And I've definitely painted some of my dreams. Um, In fact, uh, one of them I painted last summer, The Queen of the Sea, and it was like one of my most popular paintings ever. Um, It's a a woman rising from the ocean with like, and her dress is like made out of the ocean. And so I sketched it as soon as I woke up and I was like, this is so cool. I would have never thought of this. So dreams are definitely a good way to do that. So maybe keep like a little sketchbook by your nightstand and when you wake up with a really good dream you can sketch it okay so number two my suggestion is travel or a variance in your schedule so travel exposes you to new cultures which will give your mind a lot of different ideas and different feedback that are outside of your norm so most of us spend each day doing similar things you know in a similar place we see similar people, but when you travel, even if it's, if it's like just over to the next state or over to the next town, you see things that are outside of your um, of your normal day to day, and it actually um, creates new circuits in your brain because it's never seen that before. So, and that's what you want because that's going to jumpstart your creativity. You're going to have different ideas. So when you do travel, just keep an open mind and be like, what. What can this add to my creativity, my creative practice? And just jot down any ideas you have, even if they seem like totally unrelated. So yeah, travel or a variance in your schedule. So maybe like you go to one coffee shop every morning, maybe try like a different one, or maybe you like never go out to eat. 
maybe like go out to eat, you know, um, or maybe like you go for a particular um, path on your jog. And so try a different path, you know, maybe drive over to the next town and, you know, jog, jog around the block there or something. Um, so even if it's like these little things, a variance in your schedule will help to jumpstart your creativity because it gives your brain something new to work with. Okay, number three, meditation. So meditation is actually my number one suggestion for bringing creative ideas to the forefront. So um, meditation is really, really awesome and powerful. So when I'm meditating to get new ideas for my work, I typically put on some like light music or um, like something that's like very gentle. Um, There's something called the love hurts frequency, um, HZ hertz frequency and it's like very um you can just google it it's very positive you know resonant tones and they're very relaxing to listen to and so I usually just put that on and I sit and I just like meditate for a little bit and I specifically go into the meditation thinking like I I want new ideas I want um I want to know what my subconscious you know would like me to paint or draw So, and then I'll usually keep a sketchbook by me and, you know, I'll let, I'll let my mind just like go through different scenes. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll just let my mind play and I try to be in a very positive state too. Um, which is another important thing about keeping all your needs met so that you are able to really focus in a positive way when you're thinking of ideas creatively so that your brain's not, you know, distracted by trying to solve a major problem in your life. So, um, yeah, um, meditation is absolutely amazing. And sometimes, sometimes going somewhere else and meditating can be really helpful. For instance, okay, I'm going to use another Santa Fe example. So I went to this place called the, um, it's like the pink salt caves in Santa Fe. And it's basically this place that you go and you pay a small fee and you basically are in this salt cave for 45 minutes in this like really relaxing chair. And I just felt so creative in there. I didn't have like one negative thought. I just felt so opened up and creative. I had so many creative ideas. It was like, it was insane. And I brought a sketchbook and I sketched them out before I left but um but i think that half of creativity is allowing your mind to totally relax and feel safe and then all of these ideas will come bubbling to the surface so getting rid of all stress and meditation definitely does that okay <clears throat> my fourth suggestion is moving your body so moving your body can definitely give you unexpected bursts of creativity um so think of like you know, if you go for a jog and if you're a runner, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about when you get the runners high and you don't even have to be running for very long. Like I get it when I'm running even like five, 10 minutes, I just start to feel amazing. And that is your endorphins like kicking in and you just start to feel like happier about everything. And especially if you're like running outside, I start to get ideas for different pieces. 
Um, if I'm having a problem with a piece, I'll usually like get a solution, um, which also works because you're looking at new things. Um, you're looking in a new way all around you. Um, but there is something that happens within your body when you're moving it, um, whether that's dance or running or a walk. Um, and that is, that's really good for your brain. So it's moving around all that blood in your body, um, you know, connecting new synapses in your brain. It's really stimulating things, which is great for your creativity. So move your body. Okay, number five is going to museums. I get super inspired when I go to museums, especially if I go with another artist friend. And I look at like everything. So my work is like magical contemporary realism, but I get inspiration from like all kinds of artwork, whether that's like um, abstract work, sculpture, realistic um, work, you know, work made within, you know, the last hundred years or like ancient work, like, you know, made from, um, you know, you know, like ancient Roman work or prehistoric work. Um, so just pay attention when you go to a museum because something really unexpected could be like inspiring to you. Like I might be standing in front of like a very modern piece that's like all painted one color and I could be like wow I really like the size of this I like the way that this makes me feel as a viewer or I could be looking at a sculpture and I could be like wow I really love the curves of this how can I incorporate curves like this into my piece so think about that as you go to the museum and maybe bring like a little sketch pad and sketch out the things that you like the things that inspire you even if the work is nothing like your own, you might be able to incorporate different parts of it that would make it really interesting. Okay, so my sixth suggestion is reading fiction. So reading fiction is really fun because it takes you out of your own normal life. And, uh, you know, self-help books are awesome. They help you live your best life, but they also um, kind of keep you within your life. So you're still thinking about how to solve problems within your life, even if they're very encouraging, you're still like applying that to your own life very intentionally. So I do recommend reading fiction um, if you're looking for enhancing your creativity, because it really takes you into another world, introduces you to characters, ideas, um, you know, it takes you away, it takes you out of your normal life, helps relax you, and it also forces your imagination and you know your the part of your mind that imagines things which is exactly what you need to be stimulated if you are seeking you know more creativity in your life it's going to stimulate that part of your brain so you're going to imagine the scenes within the book um, and you know you may imagine them in a really creative way that you you might end up wanting to paint um, not to totally illustrate it, but, you know, you may get ideas from a fiction book that are really interesting and you may never have thought of otherwise. Okay, so number seven suggestion is looking at other disciplines. So I'm not even talking about like within the arts because we just talked about like looking at sculptures and abstract and anything that's like related to art. I'm actually talking about like music, dance, um, acting, any of these other disciplines within the art, or even, um, 
you know, outside of the arts, like you may be really interested in science, or you may be really interested in mechanics. Um, look at other disciplines that you're actually interested in. And that will make your work stronger because you'll be bringing ideas from a totally different discipline into your work. Um, I often tell my students to like do this exercise where we listen to music and we draw to the music. And it's really interesting seeing what they draw to like a piece of music because the music translates into very specific marks. And, you know, maybe try that exercise, like do, you know, a line drawing while listening to a piece of music and try to translate that and see what comes up for you. So yeah, look at other disciplines and see how you might be able to incorporate those things you're interested in into your work. Okay, number eight, allowing yourself experiences outside of art. This is important because um, many times artists can be a little bit solitary and they do have a reputation of being more antisocial. Um, but I definitely recommend that you allow yourself experiences outside of your art. So think about the things that you want to do in your life. Um, maybe you want to learn ballet or maybe you want to go on like a pilgrimage across the United States or, you know, maybe you want to, um, do any, anything, like what are some of the things you want to experience within your life and allow yourself to experience those things and um, don't deprive yourself of a social life or don't, and don't deprive yourself of the other things that you want within your life for the sake of your art. Because you're, in my experience, when you allow yourself to do these things, your life gets richer your art gets more interesting and you just become wiser and more interesting as a person and as an artist um, because there's a certain amount of like richness you can give your work when you've allowed yourself to live a little bit. So allow yourself those experiences outside your art. Okay, number nine, trusting your crazy ideas and your aesthetic visions. So some of my best works have come from like just this flash, a very brief aesthetic vision. So like that one that I had of a dream um, that I turned into the woman coming out of the ocean. It just started as this very brief, you know, one second flash of insight as I woke up and I sketched it. And I'm just starting to more and more trust those visions that, you know, come as this your brain is trying to piece together creative elements to create something. And so when you have these brief visions, just start to trust them and pay attention to them and write them down, sketch them out. Um, you don't have to act on every one of them, but somewhere within there, you're going to get some ideas that are different. And these are all your own because, you know, they, they come from your subconscious really. Some of my best ideas have come from like, I'll be driving, I'll be in the shower, um, I'll be running. Things where your mind kind of goes on autopilot, it allows your mind enough routine and stimulation to kind of relax, but um, you're still awake enough to like understand what you're thinking and your mind's relaxed enough to make those connections. So yes, um, trust your crazy ideas 
and write them down, sketch them out, and soon you'll have a portfolio of interesting ideas that you can combine or you know, take from and expand, and it's really fascinating. And number 10 is working with a mentor that you respect. Um, you don't even have to work with them, actually, but you, you can like look at them and study them. Um, but if you can work with them, it's really awesome. So I did that this winter, actually. I was working with an artist that I really, you know, I really loved his work for a really long time. And the opportunity came up for me to study with him. And I was like, I jumped at it because I just, I thought it would be really great. And it was like beyond my expectations. I felt like my work really grew. And I, I started holding myself to a higher standard and believing more things were possible for me. And, um, and it's just, it was just amazing. So identify people um, or artists that you really respect and that you would want to work with. And so try to work with them if you can, or if you can't, if they're, you know, let's say that you would like to work with Picasso. <laughs> okay, so like Picasso's not available to mentor you, unfortunately, but you can definitely read all you can about him, about his process, about what people have written about him, um, and really study his work, right? So working with a mentor you respect or studying closely an artist that you really respect is really, really important and very, very enriching. So those are my 10 tips for how to be more creative and how to start making more creative ideas for your work. So I hope that you guys found this really, really helpful. Um, I am trying to think if I have any news for you guys. I'm having an open studio at Eric Contemporary Gallery for my show Wild Love, and that is going to be um, June 26th and 27th, 2021. And that will be held um, at the Mill Studios in Philadelphia, free parking from, um, and the studios will be open 12 to 6, and there will be signs if you would like to attend. And I will have some drinks, some bubbly, some snacks. It's actually the same dates and times as the Maniac Arts Festival. So, and that's on the same street. So if you would like a weekend full of art, that would be awesome. I'd love to see you guys there. Um, I'm continuing to work on the Luminary Artist Academy. And I really am excited about that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to jump on here and give you guys this podcast episode because it's something I was thinking about a lot this week and I thought it would be really helpful for you guys. So um, if you would like to join the free Facebook group for um, the Visionary Artist Salon, you may do so. It'll be in the link in the show notes um, or just search for Visionary Artist Salon Facebook group. Um, and then I am also offering one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm just doing um, single um, single, basically, um, coaching sessions like a la carte. So if you're interested in that, then you can go to the visionaryartistsalon.com and all the details are there. So thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to leave a five-star review with some words if this was very helpful for you. I would so appreciate that. And um, thanks so much, guys. I will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful, and creative week. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed listening, it would mean so much to me if you would give it a five-star rating. In fact, if you screenshot your rating and send it to me on Instagram at Visionary Artist Salon or at Jessica Libor Studio, I will give you a shout out as a thank you. I also wanted to let you know that I've created a gift for you from my heart that I'm so excited to share with you. It is a free guide called 30 Days to 3K, the definitive guide to authentically increase your art sales. In this 15-page guide, I share how I've created amazing results in selling my art online while retaining the worth of my art and feeling authentic. I'm sharing the process that has worked to get the results for me. All you have to do to get it is go to my coaching website, www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com and enter your email and it'll be delivered right to your inbox. I hope it brings you so much value and let me know how it works for you. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you soon. Remember that you are already worthy and everything you make is an expression of your unique spirit. Now go forth and create.